What's up, everybody? Happy Tuesday. I hope this finds you well, hanging tough in your highest greatness and your personal power. The world needs you right now. There's no doubt about it. So today's episode is a special one. You might be listening to this on your traditional podcast platform, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, etc. But this episode is also available on YouTube in video form. Very excited to offer that new branch of content. And this episode is a special one. It is with Terry Smith, who is the master cultivator of Wake Network. Wake Network is a bioscience company. They do medicinal and psilocybin mushroom therapies and products. They really do outstanding work. I am. Uh, this episode is a bit of a announcement as well of of my partnership with them. Very excited to be joining their team to expand the message of medicinal mushrooms and the benefits therein. They've had a profound impact on my life, so I'm very excited to have a a company that I believe in, that believes in the work that I do, and we are aligned in our vision of how to make the world a better place. They have fantastic products, Lion's Mane Mushrooms, Reishi Mushrooms, Cordyceps, and a a turkey tail product, as well as a comprehensive health mushroom supplement. You can head over to wake.net, use code EBBINFLOW, all one word, to get 10% off and free shipping on your next order. So be sure to take advantage of that. Um, That'll about do it, folks. I hope you guys are hanging in there. I hope this episode of The Ebb and Flow can inspire you, empower you, lift you up, whatever you need in this moment. I hope it gives you that. Thank you guys so much for supporting this podcast and me. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, The best way to do that is subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. Hey, go check it out on YouTube if you feel so inclined. Um... Love that. Share it with your friends and family. That's awesome as well. Lots of love to you guys. Have an excellent rest of your day. I'll see you all soon. Please enjoy. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination. Your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux. Only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come. Testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. Hey everybody. Welcome to the Ebb and Flow podcast. I'm your host, Evan Britton. Very excited to be with you on this magnificent day we have before us. I have a fantastic guest who's about to drop some serious knowledge and wisdom on y'all. She is the Chief Cultivation Officer of Wake Network. Her name is Terry Smith. Terry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ab. How are you? 
I'm very well. I'm very well. Thank you so much uh, for being here and for being you. And, um, you know, we got to know each other a little bit on a phone call a couple of weeks back. And you are such a light. And I feel so privileged to have you share your life experience and your passion with us today on the podcast. Um, Thank you. I've been looking forward to this too. That's excellent. Um, so, Terry, you are the the fancy term chief cultivation officer. You're really a master mushroom grower. Um, you're also the CEO of Wake Jamaica, and you have such a fantastic life story and how you got into mushrooms. I would love for you to, to kick this thing off. Share with my listeners how you got introduced to mushrooms, your path into the mycelial world. I often think that I, I, I didn't get to mushroom. Mushroom got to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it really came about that it presented itself as a, as a solution to a lot of things. I was working with a group of women in Jamaica, having returned to Jamaica to care for my 104-year-old grandfather, who had actually raised me. And uh, at 104, Gramps was just still all there. He was still farming. He was still doing a lot of things. And I noticed that a lot of the fruit trees I had grown up with as a child had been eliminated by the farmers. There was an overuse of Roundup, there was an overuse of fertilizer, and they had chopped down a lot of the trees. So I started a project with my little women's group to plant fruit trees. But then the women said to me, hey, uh, planting fruit trees is a nice idea, but it takes three to five years before you can eat anything of it. (laughs) (laughs) We need something that is going to be faster. And so that was how, what food can you grow in a space of three to five weeks and have something of value? So I actually, mushroom just presented itself as, hey, here's a solution. Not only that, but Jamaica is very hilly. Over 90% of the, the landscape is covered with limestone. And so there are... There's not a lot of things that, you don't have a lot of flatlands. So in Canada, where you can grow wheat and uh, hay and and that sort of stuff, you don't have those options in Jamaica. So once we decided that mushroom was going to be the, the product of choice that we could concentrate on, because my women didn't need to have land. That's the magical thing about becoming a mushroom cultivator mm. and why it can change lives in, in, in developing countries. We needed to then struggle to find what are we going to feed the mushroom on? Because every pound of mushroom that you grow, whether that is psilocybin mushroom or that is edible mushroom or functional mushroom, every pound of mushroom needs its own pound of food. You can't replant it. It's not something you put in the earth and then you dig it up and then you use the same spot because the mushroom literally consumes 
the food the same way an animal does. You, you feed a horse or a, a cow some grass, and when it's finished eating, it converts that grass into muscle. Well, that is what mushrooms do. You mm. feed the mushroom new substrate, and when it's finished consuming, it pays you back by producing a protein body. And so finding the right thing to uh, feed the mushroom was, was a, a really wonderful challenge. Mm. And your husband is a mycologist, right? He's, he's, um, when you're going to start a mushroom empire, you need a few <laughs> And if you're in if you're in a developing country that is that does not have a mushroom culture, then you need an engineer. Lucky for me, he had he's a triple engineer, and you also need a mycologist, and you also need someone to be terribly in love with you, and uh, you know. In because you're going to go on a journey that at times is going to be heartbreaking because um, there were months there when everything failed. Mm. You know, we, we had bamboo and uh, there are thousands upon thousands of hectares of bamboo in Jamaica and lemongrass will grow anywhere. But those were the, the abundant grasses that we had available to use to grow the mushroom. But both of those uh, grasses have some properties that could actually attack the mushroom you're trying to grow. Mm. So you have to first make sure that the antifungal um, properties are under control. So, and you fail a lot. Uh, mm. I think that was what I learned most. You fail a lot with mushrooms. But there is a little bit, when you make a little bit of a success, then it feels lovely. Oh, my God, I'm sure. Especially as you were doing it out of necessity to, you know, create opportunities for the women uh, in your community. Well, very quickly, it went from just... um, creating opportunities for the women to where we sank our retirement savings account (laughs) and sold our, you know, sold our lovely home in Oakville, Ontario. That was like pride of, of, of place in our life. You know, it was that place we're supposed to take the grandkids to and, um, it had everything set up. My, my husband was very proud of the fact that he had done everything on his to-do list in the house. You know, he had the wine cellar done and the mm. garden in the back and all of that was, was done. And I come to him <laughs> and say, hon, I think we maybe want to consider selling so uh, you make a bunch of sacrifices so very quickly it became more than just wanting to do uh anti-poverty you know income and food security project it became it became our life and then Uh my my ego was invested in it because um there were just so much failure and everybody told us it couldn't be done and I mean everybody. Government officials says it couldn't be done. We would go to meetings and people would say, many people have tried it before. It can't be done. 
Um, <laughs> friends would say it can't be done. My, you know, family would say we're being crazy. Why not just go back to Canada and and get a job as an engineer and you go and you're both educated. So it it took a lot. It took a lot of. Uh, but once we were down that road, the mushrooms would reward us. Mm. Because even the failures are such beautiful colors. Like we went through mm. a period of um, being affected by mold. Mm. And we didn't know that the people who grow the wheat in America actually program different molds into the wheat as mm. their way of, um, you know, keeping down the, the vegetation when they plant it. So first you had to extract those mold out of the, the actual grains you were working with. And, and mushroom molds have very sexy names like lipstick molds and, you know, and dog vomit. And you <laughs> really great names. So you would wake up and you'd think, oh my God, what is this? And your whole, a whole batch of mushrooms would just have this really awful looking thing on it. And then when you check with people like Stamet, then you go, yep, that's dog vomit mold, you mm. know, <laughs> or it'll be bright red. And so that is lipstick mold. And so we learned. Mm. And what I can say is that we never got bored along the way. Well, that's good. Uh, I'm sure you didn't, <laughs> but yeah. I think that, you know, in everything in life, you, you learn so much from your failures and when things don't work out the way you thought or expected them to, and you have to adjust and learn from the process to, you know, make it successful. Yeah. So I'm sure that was a very valuable time. I'm curious, Terry, in a traditional mushroom grow, what do mushrooms grow on? Like, how are they cultivated? And then tell me about the process, how you reinvented that process to make it work for you guys in Jamaica. Well, in, in North American Europe, uh, you have lumber industries. You mm. have maple and oak and elm and birch and all of these lovely hardwood. Mushroom tends to love to grow. If you leave it in the wild, it grows on hardwood. Mm. Well, Jamaica don't have any hardwood. <laughs> they are, <laughs> yeah, let's start there. We have no hardwood. Uh, mushroom loves straw. If you look at what happens in China and India and those places, they have paddy straws. They have um, mm. the leftover waste from feeding animals straw. Well, in order to have lots of straw, you need lots of flatlands. Most of Jamaica is mountainous. It's hilly. It's, um, you, you don't have places to run tractors to grow um, hay and grass in large quantities. We also don't have very, very large pieces of land that are flat that we use to do anything except grow sugar cane. So no straw, no uh, hardwood. The other thing that you, you tend to grow mushrooms in North American Europe on is bran. 
And that is the waste from wheat and rice and soybean. Mm. Wow, Jamaica grows yellow yam and green banana. And so we don't. <laughs> so if you're going to build a, a mushroom industry, you have no lumber industry. So you have no sawdust, you have no wheat straw, you have no bran. Um, what are you going to feed the mushroom with? Mm. You know, so um, we had to find something. What we did have in Jamaica are thousands of hectares of bamboo, mm. which is a weed crop. And we noticed in just being observant, we noticed that there were certain mushrooms that would be growing on bamboo as they laid the cane. Mm. And then we also realized that of all the tall grasses, lemongrass, you just take a piece of lemongrass and stick it on the side of the hill and in six to eight weeks, it would have established itself and it grew really fast and it held the hillside back from slipping away. So what, what Ronald had to do was to find ways of subtracting the citronella. Because what makes lemongrass smells like lemongrass is it, it is dense with citronella oil. Mm. So, but that citronella oil is, will kill insect, it keeps mosquitoes away, but it will also have a, an impact on the mushrooms you're trying to grow, the mycelium mm. state. So we had to find a way to process the lemongrass so that it became friendly towards the mushrooms we wanted to grow and not attack it. Then with the bamboo, the bamboo has a coating on it. Uh, you've never seen um, a wrinkly bamboo because it has a nice shine. It has a lot of collagen in it. Mm. So we had to find a way to process the bamboo and make the bamboo behave like sawdust. Mm. In the end, we've, we found that bamboo and lemongrass together were pretty good, um, really good partner. Mm. And with a few other little supplements, we were able to make, to find that sweet spot where a wide cross section of forest mushrooms, which range from uh, philocybin, all the way back to oyster mushroom that are edible, they all took to wanting to grow on that proprietary uh, substrate. Mm. That's so interesting. I think that uh, just that process and how you had to go about figuring out what the mushroom wanted to grow on or thr would thrive on in that environment, I think that's really fascinating. But they say um, uh, need is the mother of invention. Like yes. we, didn't, we didn't have a choice. We were in a situation where we had 50 acres of bamboo. Mm. And bamboo is a weed. Nothing yeah. you, you, <laughs> if you cut one bamboo pole down, the bamboo gets really annoyed and it shoots up five new bamboo poles. Uh -huh. And within 18 months, you have replace the one you chop down with five new poles. It's aggressive. It's an invasive species. I have no idea who brought bamboo to Jamaica because it's not native <laughs> to Jamaica. So 
we, we had a problem. We had a problem with the bamboo. And it takes a lot to get rid of a, a root of bamboo. So we, the, the environment pushed us towards uh, doing what needed to be done. But also mushroom is, has a, a built-in intelligence of its own. Uh -huh. Mushroom leads you to where you, you, you need to go. If you listen mm. to it, if you get your ego out of the way, it, mushroom will talk to you. And I don't just mean philosophy, that does that too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but it will talk to you. You'll find the cordyceps, you want to grow cordyceps, and you're trying to figure out what you could feed it. Then mm -hmm. you need to go down by the river and you need to look at the at the chunks of wood in the middle of the river because that's where the the cordyceps is growing that's mm. what it, it's growing on the logs that have been so soaked that is sitting mm. there so when you then take it out of that environment you now must understand that this is a species that needs a lot of water mm. and if you want to do turkey tail naturally then you walk, you walk and you, you look at it and you find the turkey tail and you go, oh, this is growing at this temperature and it's, uh, it likes a little bit of warmth and it likes to, be, to get a little bit of sun. And, and so when you create that environment in your grow room, you need to mimic what it does in nature. Mm. So it's about listening, it's about mm. watching, it's about being humble because the fungi will talk to you. It will, you know, and when it's happy, you're happy. And then you, you build a better product. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. I love that message so much. That's, uh, that's a big one for me in this stage of my life is to listen more to everything. Listen to the wind. Listen to the vibration in the air. And listen to mushrooms. So it's different. <laughs> So that, that was, you sort of went into my next question. It's just, it's so interesting to me how, you know, this is not, this is not the same as, you know, planting a, a fruit tree or uh, having a vegetable garden. No. The mushrooms really have a deep intelligence and are like, a they're, they are a living organism. Yeah, and, and you have to remember that without, without fungi in the world, we'd be all covered up under a whole mountain of organic matter because mm. its place in the universe is to return to its original state everything. So when a leaf falls, mm. there is three or four different types of mushrooms that attack that leaf and breaks it down. And when a mushroom is finished breaking something down, it returns it to that original soil. Mm. So um, there are, when you, when you feed a mushroom, when you try to cultivate and you feed a mushroom, if you have a eight pound uh, grow bag, once that has been inoculated and colonized and you start to reap mushroom from that, every pound of mushroom you take off of an eight pound grow bag, the weight of the grow bag diminishes. Mm. So you're literally, and what people don't understand, you're literally taking 
waste matter and converting it into a high value, high nutritious product. Mm. So it, it literally eats it just like an animal I eats see. the raw material. A mushrooms eat that raw material and produce a fruit in body. So the fungi literally displaces whatever it is growing on. That's it. Wow. And so, and so if, you, if you leave it, say, you could drop some oyster mushroom spawn in a, in a pile of leaves. And it will convert that pile of leaves into mushroom and soil. Mm. Wow. So if, you, if you leave it there in about uh, 10, 12 weeks, what you're going to find is it, go, it goes black and the mushroom comes up and, and, and dies back into it. And what you'll end up with is soil. Wow. So, much, so fungi offers a solution not only for making the body better or helping the brain to be better, but it is one of those things that offer the environment an opportunity. It will, it will clean up waste. There are strains of mushrooms that will consume oil spill. Wow. And, and, and make things work again. Um, so talk a little bit about the first mushrooms you guys grew and how that's evolved and what the operation looks like today. Oh, the first mushrooms. <laughs> the first mushrooms we grew, we weren't trying to grow them. We oh were, my God. <laughs> you know, we, we, we would get so excited. We, we made grow bags and we inoculated <laughs> and then we are, and then you'll get inky spots, you know, it, it mm. was, uh, we, we weren't trying to grow those, but, Eventually, we figured out how to grow oyster mushrooms, mm. and we got very excited because uh, it, the oyster mushroom is an absolute lovely, lovely, lovely medicinal gourmet mushroom, mm. and we kept playing around with it so we could make them thicker, we could make them bigger, we could make oyster mushrooms the size of a dinner plate that could be grilled like a portabella um, or we could make fine really delicate uh, mushrooms and so for a long time uh, that's the mushroom we played with a lot because we found out that we could grow it under a number of different environments we also um, handed it out around the country we had social media competitions where you could just write in and you could get a, a mushroom grow bag sent to you. And mm. then the only thing you had to do, you had to tell us how it stood up to the heat in Kingston or the sea breeze in Montego Bay. So we were sending grow bags all over the island and collecting data in a very, very um, low tech way. Mm. So you get a grow bag, you get to eat the mushrooms, but send and tell us how it works. Put up a picture on social media, send us um, your questions. And so that was the first type of mushroom we started to grow and we were successful with. And very quickly, the fancy hotels would say, we want your mushroom. And at that point, we started out selling mushrooms at $35 a pound. Mm. 
And um, for the ladies who were helping to grow it, this was exciting mm. because they could grow, minimum wage is $50 a week in Jamaica. Wow. And, and if you could sell two pounds of, of fresh mushrooms to a local, um, you know, upper middle class person, you were bumping out of the, the minimum <laughs> category. So it became very attractive. And also it was a way for my ladies to supplement their protein intake. And so they started doing amazing things with it. They would cook oyster mushrooms with, you know, salted codfish. They would cook it with, uh, uh, we eat a lot of chicken, you know, the mm -hmm. leftover bits in North America. When they cut the breast and the legs off in North America, they export the back, which is just mostly bones to the mm. Caribbean and Africa. And so my ladies found a way to use those chicken bones to cook with mushrooms and the children didn't even know they were eating mushrooms. So that was mm. our, first, our first success. Then we started getting into the medicinals and we started working with psilocybin. Mm, amazing. Now, did that come when you, was that part of the natural process or did that come when you met Nick and you started on this journey of creating clinics and therapeutic uh, retreats for people to come to? Well, if anybody have met Nick, they know that it's um, <laughs> kind of like the blonde wind that blows into in the room and, and then just shifts a lot of things. So I love that. I, I think I think we were we were <clears throat> on the way because before we met Nick, there was an awful lot of people from all over the world that somehow found me. Mm. Um, the work I had been doing with my social enterprise, the things the women were doing, the media in Jamaica had been very uh, supportive of our income and um, food security projects. And so they, they, they could, when you Googled mushrooms in Jamaica, you would end up finding some story of some kind about what we were doing. And Nick came to us in the middle of a whirlwind of of people coming cannabis was going through a difficult time mm. and there were the large cannabis companies were starting to look elsewhere and they realized that there was an ambiguous situation around the legality of consuming and cultivating uh, psilocybin in Jamaica. So you had people from Belgium, from London, from mm. all over the world that was coming. And so they would show up at my farm. Some of them would show up in the middle of the night. Um, Whoa. Yes. I live, I, my farm is in very rural, rural Jamaica. I remember a lawyer, <laughs> a lawyer from Oregon and a soldier showing up at 10 <laughs> in the night and they sent their taxi back. And when I asked them where they were staying, they asked me to point them to a provincial and state park. I said, you're not in Canada, so there's no provincial park. And you're not in America, so there's no state park. I can't just send you to people's field to go camp out. But 
you know, so it was from the the ridiculous to the obscene that these people were showing up. And uh, so Nick came in one of those, you know? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. He he came and, uh, but he kind of was a little different. You know, when you go Mm. to the pet shop and there's all of these uh, (laughs) Bichon puppies and then there's all kind of other stuff, but you catch the eye of one of the of them, you know. And yeah. Why doesn't that one quite fit in? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> yes. So uh, we were already looking at. Uh, we were growing a little bit of psilocybin, mm. and we we were talking to a lot of people. A lot of people offering ridiculous amounts of money, wanting to partner, and. Mm. you know they would say anything and lots of stuff this was a period where we met countesses and princes and wow uh, world leaders and folks (laughs) ran billion dollar company and then there was nick i love that (laughs) yeah i love it so he he came along with other people but very quickly distinguished himself from uh, all of them by just really be Nick, you know, mm-hmm. like you're, yeah. you're, you're, in, you're in rural Jamaica up in the hills and you have all these white folks, some of them with weird accent because they're German or they're, you know, <laughs> and then there is Nick and Nick takes his shoes off and he's got big feet and Nick's running <laughs> foot, you know, <laughs> other people want to talk about, yeah. you know, how important they are and that there is Nick barefoot running around drinking coconut water and laughing too much it's like <laughs> why is this guy laughing like that so that's uh, our guy <laughs> that's our guy I wanted to know what the hell that was about and very quickly um we became friends a funny thing about Nick, which is annoying, is that he anticipates he anticipates the needs of the folks around him, and he's generous to a fault. So even when he screws up, he's got so many nice things that he's done. So many acts of um, he acts out the ideas around commitment and love. A lot mm. of people will say, I love you. A lot of people will mm. be very, uh, you know, poetic about that. But he does loving things. He does things to say, we're in this together kind of thing. So that made it pretty easy. Plus, I think he's really smart. Mm. He has a way of making sure that he pulls away from the crowd. And very quickly, you start judging everybody by the Nick standard. It's like, Mm. Nick wouldn't do that. Mm. Nick wouldn't say that. And so they fell away. I love that. That makes sense to me. All the business people walking around talking about how great they are. And then you got the dude barefoot running through the woods. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. And picking up puppies along the way, you know. I love that. (laughs) We were driving one night in the dark. We were driving from one spot in Jamaica back to the farm 
and we come around a corner and there's the tiniest thing in the road. It was the size of a screw-up. And of mm. course, he, he, he's not wearing shoes driving. <laughs> <laughs> so he stops the car in the middle of the road and we go chasing this puppy that somebody had thrown away because it was a female puppy. Oh. So he had to chase it into the bush and he comes out with something the size of a squirrel with lots of like parasites and stuff. And there we are in the middle of the night wrapping this <laughs> thing and putting it in my hat. Oh you know, my we're God. taking it back to the, we called it Rhodey. Now she's a big girl. But you, you start counting up things like those. You go, here is a something where he could have just run the car over the animal or left it in the woods, but there was um, generosity of, of spirit that says, we could make this thing life better. Mm. And he does that. He does that um, with a lot of different things. And so I wanted to see what a company would be like that would be led by that kind of generosity mm. and that was important to me you get to be 62 you've you've traveled you've been wealthy you've been poor you've had a lot of experience but what if you could make be part of the ideal company a company mm -hmm. that could benefit people's lives work who are dealing with cancer mm -hmm. who could create the mushrooms that could support them through that journey. You could create fabulous quality of mushroom to help with mental health. You could create opportunities for poor women in rural areas to be part of something they could be proud of. You could be the company that would give a young man who has no other option a place to grow. What if you could build that kind of a, con a company and you could work with these white folks who didn't fit the stereotype, that whole concept <laughs> of what the North American had come to Jamaica and done with cannabis. Oh. What if it could be done different? What if we could do it and leave a space for the people of the country? Mm -hmm. And that intrigued me. And so, uh, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid. I said, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm all in. And from here on, I'm not going to dance with the other boys at the, at the party. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be me and you, kid. And um, I love you know, that. We'll fight it through. But definitely, definitely. That's how yeah, Nick separates himself and still continue to do. Want to kill him sometime, but. Hey, that comes with that that person too, doesn't it? That's part of the whole picture. Yes, I've had dreams of <laughs> how hard you have to squeeze his neck. We don't. <laughs> we don't have to go there, Terry. <laughs> um, well, you know, as a I played six years in the NFL, um, and my life as a football player really left me or, you know, contributed to a lot of concussions and brain damage. Mm -hmm. um, depression and anxiety have been part of my 
uh, internal mix for as long as I can remember. And I've always gravitated towards, thank God for the parents that I have. They were very holistically minded people uh, who believed food is medicine. You get plenty of exercise, use whatever natural remedies are available before going to a doctor to be prescribed some pharmaceutical pill. Um, and so coming out of my football career, you know, I was, I was dealing with a lot. I had a lot of pain to, I had a lot of healing to do. I had a lot of, um, you know, sort of rebuilding myself to happen. I had to reinvent myself. I had sort of uh, experienced this complete decimation of myself emotionally, spiritually, physically. And I got um, somewhere along the line, I met this guy in Jacksonville, Florida, towards the end of my career with the Jaguars, who I called my witch doctor. Mm. And he was this little dude from Alabama. He, he was part Cherokee, grew up, you know, with his grandmother making all sorts of potions and stews. And he was the first one who really introduced me to medicinal mushrooms, the lion's mane, the cordyceps, chaga, reishi, turkey tail, etc. And so coming out of my career, this has become a very uh, integral part of my daily routine. I always throw some sort of medicinal mushroom into my coffee, sometimes even a little bit of psilocybin. But since partnering with you guys, and coming into the fold with, with you and getting to know you, Terry, you guys make such a magnificent medicinal mushroom supplement from the lion's mane, the cordyceps, the reishi, the turkey tail. I love them all. The only one I haven't tried is the, uh, is the total uh, wellness supplement, mm. which I think is the mixture of all of them. But, you know, it's profound what these things can do for you and how they can help your brain heal and help your, your mind function better, function more optimally. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, life is about can you access your highest greatness as an individual? And what the universe manifested in the organism that is you, can you aspire and inspire to be the greatest version of yourself and i believe that these mushrooms help you do that they help you access that and they help you tap into that so i thank you for all the work that you've done and i feel really grateful to have met you and and for riley to have introduced me to you guys um i want you to talk a little bit about terry the you know there's been a handful of books written about it probably over the last couple decades about the you know going back to the deep intelligence of mushrooms fungi the mycelial network that runs underground that connects all basically all the trees all the plants all the organisms that are connected directly to the earth and talk a little bit about that interconnectedness of things and then that'll lead me into my next question for you which I know you'll have a great answer for <laughs> it's it's a it's a really big big question and in in my experience mushroom is is, is one of those 360 um, solutions for us when things like roundup 
started to get pressure in North America. Mm. They exported it by the tankful to places like Jamaica. And so even when we took over the 50-acre farm, the worms were killed, the bugs were killed, mm. the, the, the soil was dead, there was no mushrooms. It was like there was no mushroom. Uh, when you soak the soil with, uh, you know, glycosate and Roundup, it doesn't just take out the weed that you're aiming for. It impacts the bees. It impacts the worm. Yeah. So bringing the mushroom back to my to the farm was one of the the ways that we started to to just bring everything back because we had to actually create an environment so we had goats and put the goats down so that the goats could uh, bring that manure back to the soil and then we started seeding with whatever mushroom mycelium we could find and then we we had to buy some red wrigglers from california to put down and so it was symbolic of what was also happening in mm. the communities and that when the wake, the women who are now part of our network, uh, when we started working with them, they had become as disconnected as, um, because they weren't living in the same communities that they were born. Mm. When I was a child, you lived in a larger extended family that the lady next door was your aunt or your 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 cousin and all of a sudden people in jamaica have become very mobile so you would be born in one part of the island and then you move to another part and you you didn't have the that transfer of knowledge about the environment it wasn't there because you had glossy advertisement about why you should spray down with with um you know, glycosate, why it was good for you. Mm. And so there was no no built-in shared wisdom anymore about mm. how to be. And what doing the mushroom has helped us with, with the people we work with and in the community, it is in regenerating and seeing that fungi sits at a very important place in in the ecosystem and in the community. Mm. Man, that's so profound that that story to illuminate on the overarching nature of the mushrooms and how you basically you were able to replenish the earth of your community through that through the cultivation of the mushrooms. Yeah, it 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 travels a lot. It's not as simple as when you you look at it and you go, oh, it's it's mushroom and we're gonna eat it. But mm -hmm. there there's yeah. there's so much. Like for instance, mm -hmm. people go out and eat and take pills called lovastatin, mm. and most mm -hmm. people don't know that lovastatin is actually the statin that comes from oyster mushrooms. Oh my God. And if you should um, include two ounces of oyster mushroom to your daily diet, which mm. you could have at breakfast, lunch, dinner, or whatever, 
you would actually be getting pure 100% digestible lovastatin that you could take and improve your cholesterol without any side effect. That's amazing. But instead, we we buy the pills that have, have side effects like joint pains and eventually impacts your your kidney and reduce your kidney function. But you could actually just like put that aside. And whether it's dried oyster mushroom or fresh oyster mushroom, you could just have some oyster mushrooms. Mm. So you find yourself often wanting to just talk, wanting to just yell, wanting to mm-hmm. say, hey, there is so much solution here. You, you like take a little turkey tail and improve your immunity. <laughs> you know, it's almost like you want to be a, a preacher. You want to find your tribe and say, hey, have you thought about this? You could add some rishi to this and it will yeah. do this, you know? And so I have to temper myself. I have to uh, tell well, myself. Terry, I think you you are preaching to the world through your work and through your energy and through everything that you do, you know, Uh, and I mean, sharing your information, your knowledge and your wisdom on this podcast, it's going to reach a lot of people and uh, expand their understanding of this thing out in the world, mushrooms, fungi, how that works, this magnificent creature that we have access to that the universe has given us that the universe has created for us. And also, you know, about themselves. And I think that's so powerful, you know, because I feel as though, and this is sort of goes into my next question, which you answered so in such a wonderful way when we were talking on the phone about it. Because to go along with that, this, I guess it's part of, it's part of, it seems to me to be part of Western culture or the first world civilization is that we've been, human beings have been so disconnected from Mm -hmm. themselves and from nature. And we've really, you know, through the amplification of technology and social media, et cetera, we're really in a serious spiritual and emotional crisis. And things like mushrooms uh and other other psychedelic compounds the concepts of meditation and yoga and breath work are all sort of coming to the forefront because it feels to me as though the energy of the earth gaia the intelligence that we are all a part of is saying it's time to heal it's time to hear these tools that we need and on our call you said you know evan none of this stuff is new we've had this for a long time And we've had other crises in the past that you have lived through, uh, you know, with Vietnam and, and, uh, you know, other global human crises that happened. And, you know, the hippies came in and, you know, this era of free love came in that really um, elevated the human consciousness at that time. So I feel like, you know, to your point with in the microcosm of your community being disconnected, like the whole world is in need of deeper connection and mushrooms are really a tool to help get us there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 
it's really interesting. Um, I watched the the two debates and mm. um, oh god. <laughs> 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 and I, 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 Canada just had a, a couple of by-elections and, and uh, the person in charge of managing them, uh, you know, we go way back, the wife of, of my mentor. Mm. Um, and I'm looking at how well-behaved Jamaica was recently in the middle of COVID when they did their election. And you think, oh, life just comes around in a circle. Uh-huh. It's, it's all 360. I, I, I say that a lot, like close the loop, it's 360. But <laughs> every time we, it's like an upward spiral. It, some parts of it just feels bad. And right now it feels bad. Mm. We it's sad. Like, you know, we, people are lonely. People are away from their grandkids and, but it's not the first time. And people are going to, lots of people are going to lose a lot of money because we, we, we are giving up homes and we're switching mm. and, and, and we're, a lot of people are being afraid. And when they get afraid, they pull away. But this is just a cycle of things. Mm. It's the, the mushroom I think it was the 60s when somebody introduced, uh, you know, someone to what the Mexicans had known for a while. But mm. the but the, the native people of North America have had their peyote. Mm. Yeah. The Amazon has had its ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. The Rastas have had their their special weed and their ceremonies. Mm. There are roots that the the Africans uh, yeah. feed, the Maasai feed their, their children. One of the things, I studied anthropology at the University of Toronto, and one of the things that one of my favorite professor would say is that we don't have rites of passage. Uh-huh, yeah. Not the Canadians didn't, or, or Americans, white Americans, Europeans, yeah don't have rites of passage the you know the jewish little boy gets to 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 go through his experience the uh-huh. the, the african maasai gets to go through his experience and you know the native sends you out on a vision quest and you you get to go be by yourself and be silent for a bit and figure mm. out who you are and what you want and i think covid is forcing us to have vision quests mm. is to pull away from it's stopping. No, you can't busy yourself with another trip to the um, to the restaurants, and maybe yes. you have to you have to lay off Tinder for a bit, and maybe talk to the same <laughs> talk to the same girl, you know, three or four times instead of you know hit it and leave it. Um, <laughs> So yeah. we're, we're, this is kind of like, we could view this as a vision quest, but totally, you know, the kids in the seventies who found LSD and found psychedelics and walked around and saying, peace and love, man. Mm. It's like, like it's all about love. And they came to Jamaica and danced on the uh, beaches. 
how are they <laughs> how are they any different from the kids in the 80s mm. when we were rediscovering new age remember mm. that when there were bookstores that popped up all over the i think in toronto we had the omega bookstore mm. at yorkville and then you could go down there and get terror reading and we found out that crystals had life and uh, meditation <laughs> was a thing you know so having seen the 70s and then the 80s because i was a child in the 70s but then in the 80s i was a young a young mother and that was my getaway you know you leave the kids with with my mom and then i would go checking out crystals and collecting mm. them and doing meditation and finding out about Reiki and all of that. And the nineties mm. and following people like Stuart Wilde and Wayne Dyer and, mm. and, and doing walking meditation. It's just, what you guys are doing now. Mm. That's just the latest incarnation of it because eventually we do the circle. Mm. So you you get you're so disconnected from nature and from each other and from a higher purpose that eventually you come home and mushrooms is the thing that's helping us to come home mm. again it's 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 coming home it's saying hey there's some of us that can help you heal your broken spirit. And mm -hmm. there's some of us that can help you heal the, the cells that are going wanky for your cancer. And, but finding other people who have found mushroom, there is a part of it that brings you back to the tribe. Where in a broken world, in a place where you have a president that, Stokes the fire mm. that promotes the you know separation between people. Isn't it nice that I don't have to worry that you are worried about my color? Mm. That Nick and I could be the different keys on a on a piano and mm. we can make great fungi music together. And <laughs> it's about being a part of the tribe. I can I don't have to be anything more and I don't need to pretend I'm anything less. And the mushroom gives us that safe space to be members of this tribe. And then I think together we can create a wake in our behind us that mm. after we've gone, we will have made a difference. Mm. Terry, amazing. I love that so much. Um, I've got a couple questions for you just to round this thing out. I know you got to get to your to your meeting. No, um, my day belongs to you, my bank. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. I, I, I said I'm going to hang out with my bud today, and so that's what that. I'm doing. I love that, Terry. Um, so first of all. I mean, that was so profound. I think that's so amazing and fills me with a ton of hope. And I love what you're saying about psilocybin or the mushrooms, period, bringing us home and bringing us into this new tribe or showing mm -hmm. us that we have a place in this tribe. Because I think at the end of the day, 
many people, many young Americans, many Americans in general, and perhaps Canadians too, I've never been to Canada, but I imagine the North American ethos is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all think we have to be so much more than we are. You know, we, ha- we, think, we think that we have to do this thing or have this success or have this car, or have this house, et cetera, et cetera. And otherwise, we're a complete failure. And we've lost sight of the fact that our, the simple act of being here is all the, is all the magnificent experience that we really need in this mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. And I have experienced that through my journeys with psilocybin in particular and DMT, ayahuasca, which I've done as well. And it's all, it's all the same. It's all bringing us home. It's all bringing us back to mm-hmm. center. Um, so one of my questions with your anthropological background, I'm curious about your thoughts on the, for, for lack of a better term, the only, the only name I know it by is the stoned ape theory. Have you heard of this? Oh, two names. Okay, so the stoned ape theory was uh, put forth by this guy, Terrence McKenna. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, uh, you know, one of the, the psychedelic um, psychonauts of the, I believe the, the 70s, 80s, 90s. I'm not exactly sure. He approving my point. We've been around a long yes. time. Yes, exactly. So he had, he did a lot of speaking and a lot of talks about the origins of man, philosophy, religion, uh, based on his insights that he gathered through his psychedelic journeys. And one of his thoughts on early man was that as early man was coming out of Africa, Mm -hmm. And they were hunter-gatherer people. They were um, nomads, so they were very mobile. And these people would follow the herds of animals out of Africa. And along the way, in the dung heaps of these animals would be psychedelic mushrooms growing. And these early men were eating these mushrooms. And, And this is partially to explain this um, vast explosion of mm-hmm. evolution in the human brain mm-hmm. and also in our uh, conceptualization of a higher power of God, of spirit, of mm-hmm. a higher, a greater intelligence that connected us. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. So basically that's the idea is that as early man was making his way out of Africa, following the herds of animals that he was hunting, eating the mushrooms that were growing out of the dung heaps and having this explosive evolution of neuro, 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 neurology uh, on the way, gaining insights into himself, into nature, into the grand scheme of the universe and God, etc. I'm curious what you think about that. Oof. <laughs> oh, you know, you and I have to set a plan for hanging out in Jamaica. Oh, well, we will. We will. Yeah, you know, you need a big plate of uh, cooked delicious mushroom and some Jamaican bread and 
and some lemongrass tea in the summertime for this one. Because we, all right, my um, in, in the 90s, I spent a lot of time with our uh, I guess a weird unguru guru named Stuart Wilde. Mm. I could hang out with the folks like Wayne Dyer and those kind of guys. We were, I love those guys. Answer these questions, and uh, <laughs> we, but back then we would be up in uh, Ireland looking for leprechauns. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you you doing a funky stuff in um, in my thirties. That was one of the stuff that we we were we were doing, and I think. I, I buy that, uh, that it feels right, mm. that idea. Mm. But I want to I wanna flip it on you and say, but what's happening now mm. where only a small amount of us are stepping out in, to, to explore these ideas ourselves? So many of us have settled to being part mm. of the matrix. Yeah. where we just want uh, other people to give us the answers. We, mm-hmm. we, we let them pick what we watch on YouTube um, because mm-hmm. the algorithm does that. What will happen up to this point, we were all kind of improving as we went. Uh-huh. But now it, it, in a kind of way, you have to be a fringe dweller like we are. Mm-hmm where you you actually get up and go okay i'm gonna have the bulletproof coffee and i'm gonna yes you know i'm I'm gonna drink the green juice and i want to (laughs) take my microdose and every once in a while i know i need a tune-up so i need to do a mega trip um (laughs) we're in the minority right yeah it's like because most of us it 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 gets really comfortable it gets Uh Yeah. Really, I don't see that explosion of knowledge mm. as our growth as part of something for the general public anymore. Mm. I think uh, our generation may be the last one that was allowed to explore because right now everything is being the data they gather on us. They say they're giving us choices, but one of the choices that we're missing is being the one to do the exploration ourselves. Mm. Yes. Hey, Terry, I'm, I'm fucking with you a thousand percent. And that's everything I do, everything I, every podcast I do, every time I speak, every time I post on social media, my goal is to get people to unplug. If my post leads a person to delete social media from their phone or to get off or to take a walk outside, I feel as though I've done my job. And, you know, I think that's part of this time that we're in, you know, with coronavirus, et cetera. Like you said, it's forcing people to A, go within themselves and to find out who they are and what they are and what their mm-hmm. grand purpose is here. B, I mean, you know this, Terry, the darkness is unrelenting. Oh, it is. You know, but so too is the light. 
you know? But it's it's hard. It's hard not to. Like, I I was talking to Nick this morning about my LinkedIn I I went on LinkedIn <laughs> once. I think I started filling out the paperwork for the the questionnaire for LinkedIn, and I stopped. Yeah, this was like ten years ago. <laughs> Do you think that LinkedIn gives me a break? Like I get today, I found that there was like thirty two notifications from LinkedIn. I said I don't even have a LinkedIn account. Oh yeah. Why is, why is LinkedIn sending me emails about you should get on? You know, I haven't checked into Facebook. <clears throat> I've pulled away from all of it. And it's just, it's relentless. They send the stuff mm-hmm. to your phone, to your email, to like, like what's wrong mm-hmm. with you? Why, don't, why aren't yeah. you coming? No, you can't look at anything on LinkedIn unless you agree to give me your information. So it becomes this really philosophical fight I'm having with LinkedIn and Facebook. I don't want to tell you where I am. I don't, the people who are really my friends know where I am and what's wrong with me. I don't need to update the whole world on (laughs) where I am and what I'm doing. And why are you in Canada? And why aren't you in Jamaica? Like, I don't need to tell you that. I agree. I agree. (laughs) but it, it's it's hard. It, it is hard. Hard to make that to step away. But my my teacher Stuart Wilde before he died, he always said, "We need to become fringe dwellers." Mm-hmm. I love that. From the fringes, you can watch. Yeah. You can watch and make the decisions for yourself. Travel around the yes. yes. Ask the question every time someone says, "This is the way it's done." Ask them why, mm. because everything in the material world is someone's opinion. The ah. chair you sit on is an opinion. It's just that the person was going to make it said, "I think this will be the best shape for it." Yeah. But <laughs> so everything is an opinion. Your car is an opinion. The clothes you wear is an opinion. Make sure that most of the opinions are yours. Ah, Terry. Fuck, mic drop there. That's it. No, I yeah. totally, I, I agree a thousand percent. And uh, I'm preaching that all the time. You know, I think that this is the time of, I've heard people call it the great awakening. And I, I would say that this world that we find ourselves in in 2020 is the greatest manifestation the darkness has ever realized in the enslavement of humankind. And, uh, you know, it's up to us. It's really up to us. It's like you said, you have to empower yourself. You have to take responsibility for your life and you have to be willing to be a seeker and get out of that comfort. And fucking mushrooms will help you get there. Mushroom gives you the space. Uh-huh. The, the yes. trick to mushroom and why I think it works for anxiety and depression and all of that. Mushroom interrupts same old, same old. Yes. And every yeah. morning that you wake up, the mushroom gives you just, it's probably 15 seconds of space. 
Uh -huh. And if you use that space the right way, you can choose that today I'll be happy. I won't go back to that whatever the hell was bothering me last night when I went to sleep. Mm. It gives you a chance to reset. That's my favorite thing about mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And whether you're talking about, you know, cooking up some magic mushrooms with a little bit of onion and sprinkling it on your <laughs> salad, which like, it is a lot better than the pills. Like, <laughs> eat, if you take if you take fresh fresh psilocybin and you chop it up and you use some sesame oil and some um, garlic and all of that, people say um, psilocybin tastes bad. That's not true. I love that. You just haven't tried it. And then you add some pink Himalayan salt to that. And then you use that as the topping on your salad dressing with a little <laughs> avocado and some organic greens. That is the way to enjoy your psilocybin. You know, that sounds incredible. Tastes a lot better than in the tea. And the heat and the oil mm. from, uh, from um, cooking it. You, it really pushes up the, the potency of, um, of, of the, the psilocybin. But when you, when you have a routine, and you have to add the other mushrooms too, you know, eat a little bit of oyster mushrooms for your uh, lovastatin and have some um, lion's mane because that's going to help your, your memory. But it also tastes amazing. Love that. When you, when you put all of that much, the, the side effect of all of that is that you create more space, mm. space to think. Just oh. 15 seconds to go, which one do I choose to be? Do I choose to focus on creating my own reality mm. or do I fall into CNNs? I love that. I love what you said too. Everything is an opinion. It's so true. Uh, what is Don Miguel Ruiz, one of my favorite guys, the four agreements. Mm -hmm. He talks oh, about I love that. Yeah, and he talks about, you know, there's this there's this thing of when we're born, we're born into someone else's dream. Yep. And, and that can sound that can sound really abstract to someone in a first world mainframe of thought mm -hmm. but the truth of the matter is you really are like someone dreamt up thought about envisioned the community that you live in the house that you live in how we get around our vehicles and it's about our choice in accepting those things as being true or not like you don't have to drive your car you don't nope. have to live in a, in a particular way you can live however you feel is most true to you and your life and your experience and i think that's so powerful what you said about Definitely. mushrooms mushrooms being a tool to give you space and and for me you know it can be mushrooms it can be meditation it can be it has to be a disciplined practice though if it's not something that's like a straight shot rocket ship to outer space the way mushrooms can be but because after a while, it becomes easier. It becomes the new practice. Yes, yes. And when you just start in, like for the first twenty-one days, yeah. Um, I haven't right. walked. I haven't walked properly for six years. Mm. 
Uh, six years ago, a goat on the, on the farm knocked me over, broke my, fractured my hip. For a year, oh we would grow back together. And then five <laughs> years ago, I had a total hip replacement. And the doctor took my, the doctor that did it, put the wrong hip in and put oh. it the wrong way. And so oh, for, God. for five years, I got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And then um, I think I was in so much pain that my husband literally handed me to Nick and say, take her off the island and fix her. <laughs> so, so that's what I've been doing in Canada. And the, the new habit, once I had a, had a nice long five-hour surgery to, to fix it, and, and once, once it was put back together, it meant that I needed new habits. Mm. I needed to talk to the muscles. I needed to quietly say, hey, your job is to help move this. And it's been frustrating, but now I can literally walk a mile without a cane. I haven't walked anywhere without crutches or a cane. So I had to teach a new part of my body how to behave. I had to teach my brain how to behave. I had to force myself to do the little things, you know, stand mm -hmm. there and shoot the ball between your knees. And, but now it's the new, it's my new normal. So every time I get up, I have something to think about. And so the products from that wake produce, whether it's, um, the supplements or um, what I've had to do to change my mindset with psilocybin, I see why I can promote what we do because I'm a really great walking commercial. This yeah. is what at 62, you face your fears. I was afraid of small spaces. I couldn't take an elevator wow. by myself. I, I live on the fifth floor in Toronto. So I need to go from the parking to my apartment. I can't have somebody come pick me up every time, but mushroom gives me that space. Are you going to be afraid or are you going to be bold? Are you mm -hmm. going to like, so it's important. I think what we do can change the world and, you know, can't change everything, but on the little parts of the world where you and I get to occupy, we can make it better. Mm. No doubt, Terry. I think you are making the world a better place. I think we are doing a pretty good job. I am so pleased to be a member of your tribe. In a world where we are mean to each other because of the color of our skin or because different beliefs about politics, it is so amazing that you are my friend and I'm yours. And we can talk for two hours and find common ground. It is magic. Yeah, no doubt about it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, Terry, I mean, this has been so awesome. And I'm sure we'll have you back on. I'll have you on the pod anytime. I would love to have you on again because I have some more mushroom questions. <laughs> But, well, tell you what, I'm going to set up a studio in Jamaica and you can, when you just want to talk, you can call me anytime. I'll be your... I love that. 
the Jamaican correspondence. I find interest in Jamaican people that you should be talking to. I love that. I would. Yeah. I can't wait. I hope the next time we hang out, it's in person in Jamaica. Ah, oh, now that would be awesome. Cool. That yeah, would. Yeah. Then I will cook for you, and uh, you know, ask I can't you. wait. I can't. I'm wait a for pretty that. awesome. And the other thing about mushroom is it allows you <laughs> to own what you're good at. So part of my superpower is being able to cook. Hey, that and, is. And just be a good lover. I'm like, you know, I just love food. <laughs> So that's one way I can love you. I can feed you. So I'm, I'm keeping the spot open. There's always going to be a place at my table for you. Thank you, Terry. Thank you. Um, before I let you go, is there anything, any last uh, comments to leave my peeps with? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think you said it all. You said it all. I think um, in, 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 a, in a world where the mainstream media focuses on what divides us and where you have presidents and leaders that talk about the division. It, just remember that each of us have, we have been born with the same power and the same rights. Like mm. there's no hierarchy. The universe don't see the president as being more important than you. Mm. So you don't have to wait for the leaders to be a leader. Mm. Remember that you cannot walk through this world without creating a wake behind you. Mm. Make sure when you look behind you that the wake you've created is something your mom and your grandmother would be proud of. I love that. I love hanging Beautiful. with you. And all you have to do anytime you just want to chat, baby, is call me. <laughs> I definitely will, Terry. Um, well, hey, you guys, thank you so much for listening and for supporting this show. I hope you got as much out of that conversation as I did. As always, the greatest way you can support this show is by rating it, reviewing it, and sharing it with your friends and loved ones. I think that's about all we've got for today, everybody. So, until next time, lots of love to you guys. Stay in the light. Stay in the positivity. Keep growing. And I'll see you next time. Peace.